anybody who's listening right now, this is for you. You have something right now in your hands God has given you that you can share with the world or your world or people in your world. Could your morning routine be the secret to unlocking success in business and faith? Welcome to Seek Go Create, where we explore this intriguing possibility with Gail Root, a seasoned entrepreneur turned kingdom-minded coach. Gail has dedicated her life to empowering women to align their work with their divine purpose, all starting with the transformative power of their morning rituals. Join us as we uncover the daily steps that could lead you to a thriving business and a deeper spiritual journey. Gail, welcome to Seek Go Create. Thank you so much, Tim. Wonderful to be here. I am glad you're here too. We had a great conversation before we started recording, but I got to stick with my question. My, my first question, we've just met each other. We're pretending we sort of have, and I ask you what you do. What do you tell people when they ask you what you do? I help women build their businesses on kingdom values. Period. Period. All right. So here's my follow-up question, which is what we like when people ask us what we do. My follow-up question would be kingdom values. What is that? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. So there are clear biblical values in scripture um, that the Lord has given us, honoring him, seeking him first, declaring his word in our lives, following his word when he tells us, I give you my plan. I have plans for you to prosper you, to not harm you. So we're building our businesses on the truth of what God has told us about our lives. Instead of focusing on circumstances and what the world's paradigm is, say, no, I want to build my business on kingdom values, on biblical principles. So what's interesting, I'm sure that with that message, you attract a lot of what we would call, we'd call them Christians. I'll use that word. I'm actually getting where I don't want to use that word as much. I hate to say. So true story. I tell my part of my story is I tell people that I had a Christian to kingdom conversion. That leads right into the question I was going to have, because I'm sure, in fact, I know without a doubt that many people that would profess to be Christians, that they use that title, have no idea what we're talking about when we use the term kingdom. Now, I also think that sometimes we throw around jargon within, quote unquote, the followers of Christ, the kingdom, that a lot of people go, what are y'all talking about? It's like this weird, different language, church talk or whatever it is. And the thing that reminds me of, Gail, I'll bring this up, is that we were at a church gosh, 10, 15 years ago that they would throw around that word kingdoms, like we're a kingdom church. And I was still growing in spiritual, like I am today, even, you know, 30 years in, I'm still, and I'm going, what do you mean by kingdom church? And they said it with a little bit of an elitist, like, oh, well, we're, we're kingdom. <laughs> and they're not yeah. like, yeah. so as a follow-up, I did a, about a three-year study on the kingdom of God so that I understood it more. I spent, I went through every scripture that laid it out. And, and so I love having conversations about the kingdom, but what would you say to someone who might be going, ah, okay, so I'm a Christian. I've been to church, going to church for a long time here. 
I don't know that I'm quite clear on what Gail said as far as kingdom goes. Yeah, it's interesting. The heart, well, first, I just, I love hearing that you spent three years studying the kingdom. I mean, like, wow. Okay, so I'm like literally taking a note. Um, Note to self, Gail, you need to do some more studying. But the heart of what I do, Tim, is helping that exact woman that you're describing that clearly identifies as a believer, clearly identifies as Christian, and is part of my story, checking the boxes, right? Am I being a good wife? Am I being a good mother? Did I go to church? Am I in Bible study? Am I, am I volunteering, right? Checking all the boxes. But what I discovered, and that was my Christian journey, um, all of the focus was on me. I was living this whole life of self-idolatry and I didn't even know it. I thought, what do you mean? How could I be full of self when I'm trying to make sure I'm being a good wife and a good Christian and a good volunteer and attending Bible study? Because all the focus was on me. And so when, for me, the Christian kingdom conversion was getting my eyes off of myself and onto Jesus. And what what does Jesus say? What does Jesus want me to do today? What has Jesus already asked me to do that I'm not honoring? And so when I can get my eyes back on him, so really the heart of what I do is bring personal revival to women. And that's where the heart of the book, the heart of my morning practice, it's all about awakening us to this amazing life God has for us. And we're missing it. (laughs) Yeah, because we're in that world system. You'll hear me use the term Babylon. To me, that's to draw the contrast between that kingdom system and the world system, which is all about self. And it's when we talk about success and why it's such a challenging thing. I do want to ask, though, because I'm sure we've got listeners right now. We've got some that are male and then we've got some that are female that they're probably going, okay, is this going to be a real female oriented conversation. No, it's not. Let me go ahead and say that because there's some principles here that I know are apply to all of it. But what are some unique issues, whatever? I mean, for those that may not be watching the video, I am a mature white male. I'm not a female. So so I'm asking the question, like really wanting to know what are some of the unique challenges of women, women in business, women that are attempting to achieve and accomplish and also hold on to their faith and run families and all that. Why women and what's their challenges? Thank you. This is, I think when we step into our purpose, um, there's usually an element of our heart breaks for. And you're describing the woman, you know, and asking that question, like, who my heart breaks for? Why am I a kingdom coach? Why does my heart break for women who are believers? They love the Lord. And they're struggling with a few things, usually and very typically. One, I shouldn't want more. I shouldn't really want success. And what does the enemy do? He takes God's word and he just perverts it just enough, right? So should we want more? Okay, should we be grateful for what we have? Of course we should be grateful for what we have. But is it really, did Jesus tell us really to not want more? Look at even, I love the conversation Jesus has with the disciples when they all want to be great. And he doesn't admonish them. He doesn't spank their hands. He doesn't shame them. He says, I'll tell you how to be great. Be a servant. For the women that I serve, there's a couple areas. One is, am I really called to minister in the marketplace? I'm a woman. 
Am I really called to minister? Well, what does ministering really mean? It means giving hope, inspiration, being an example. Um, and then the other big area for a lot of women is wealth building. Um, and one thing that really gets a lot of breakthrough for a lot of my clients is, and for all of us really in general, but well, there's wealth, there's pursuing righteous wealth and pursuing unrighteous wealth. All right. And you described that perfectly. Pursuing unrighteous wealth would be that Babylon structure, you know, pursuing righteous wealth, doing it with God so that it can be an overflow from you. But women often really struggle with the idea that they could be wealth builders. And it's really heartbreaking because if you, there's been studies done, guess who the number one, when you look at demographics, and you ask, who would be the number one demographic um, to be the most generous giver? It's the successful Christian businesswoman. So clearly, if you put, if God can get money through us, he's going to get money to us. And so I help women to align with that God has called them to their business. They can minister in the marketplace. They can build righteous wealth that pours out and blesses others. I think one of the things that's interesting to me about our society, culture, whatever, is that we do try to group people together. And here we are talking about women. And I'm about to ask a question about men. So I want to almost apologize for grouping people together because this, it's not always a good thing, but yet we do see trends. My wife and I were just having a conversation this morning about how she takes on things in a much different way than I do. And yes. they just stick to her. And I don't think about it like criticism. Someone could say something to her and she thinks about it and all that. And she even commented to me, she goes, someone can say something about you, Tim. And she goes, and you actually don't even believe them. And I went, is that bad? She goes, well, maybe sometimes. But anyway, I digress. I don't want to go down that path. What is it that, that you have seen that men need to know about the situations that women are in? Because the thing you just brought up, I hate to say I'm sitting here, but it's almost like you're speaking a foreign language. I rolled out of bed at a young age thinking I'm going to be a business owner. I'm going to go out and make me some money. Now I had to get the Lord had to do some work on my heart because I, I had other issues that I had to deal with, but never thought once about not being in a leadership role and other things like that. I had other things I needed to work on. I just want to be clear on that. But And if you and I are in a boardroom or we're in a meeting room and I start talking loud and all that, it's like accepted. But yet you do. And it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Why? Are there so many things unique about, is it cultural? Is it spiritual? Is it, what is it? And then I do want us to shift a little bit and talk about the way to uh, master our mornings, but I, I think this is important too. This is foundational. Yeah, I love this. I love this. And I do, I love how you honored both men and women by saying we're making some groupings here, but of course, um, you know, we, none of us fit in any of these molds, um, but I do think, I think it's cultural and spiritual, but I think in the church. Tim, I think, and there's a lot of Christian men and I, kingdom men, quite honestly, 
a lot of kingdom-minded men, whether they're pastors, ministers, just prophetic men that are helping women to rise up. So when you think of half of the church, half of the body is female. And if we could help women to see that, that God has a purpose and a plan for them to minister wherever he's put them, what, you know, and clearly in their home, whether they, he's put them in corporate, whether he's put them in education, whether he's in, in a volunteer, nonprofit, a for-profit. But there, there seems to be, I don't know what this is going to sound, but I'm just going to say it, almost like a level of permission that most of the women I work with need from the kingdom men in their lives to say, yes, daughter of the king, go fly. Let go of all of the old lies. You were born to soar. You're a daughter of the king. And there's something about when a kingdom man gives that sense of permission. I know I'm probably going to be rubbing some, making some people really uncomfortable using that word. And I don't mean it in the literal sense of permission. Not that you're going and asking someone permission. I'm talking about when you hear a kingdom man speak and through his message, you awaken to the reality of your identity as a daughter of the king and you are set free. Yeah, the, and that word permission is good, but also the word invite, invitation came to mind while you were saying it. Because I don't think, let's group again, I don't think us men are used to giving permission or inviting. We just do. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes I think what it does, and just the conversation with my wife this morning, it might even repel or might even come across as, a bit of a know-it-all. I know I've got that in me. I have, I, I've tried to get it out, but I could walk into a room and I can tell you some people that just meet me are going to go, this guy thinks he knows it all. I, I think the thing that, that's interesting, Gail, is that this has been around forever. I was reading in the book of Luke last week, the account of all the women that went to the grave to minister to Jesus's body there was no body there. They came running back to the disciples. And there is a line in Luke. I don't have the scripture in front of me, but it pretty much says the disciples didn't believe what they said. Right. And, and I'm with my wife going, this has been going on forever. This is not new stuff. This is yeah. so anyway, I do think that just having the conversation helps. And one of the things I've been saying all along, and I don't know how this works, is that men have traditionally moved into leadership roles. I think we're seeing examples all over that they can't handle it or they're not, they don't have enough humility, their egos get in the way. And I think in many situations, including church world, that women need to step in. So maybe consider this an invitation if my invitation means anything. Lead, because men aren't doing that great of a job at it and we need to kind of step back and maybe provide some more support. My question, my next question though, Gail, is, how have you, this is kind of a redefining success question. How have you come to this place? Give me a little bit of, I joke about it all the time, Gail, the early years, you know, how, because you mentioned that you were a check the box. I'm sure you're a task person. I'm sure you're an achiever. You remind me of my wife. She's one that wakes up with lists in her head when she wakes up in the morning. 
So mastering her morning needs to be probably put the list aside and do other things. But how did you arrive at this place you're at now where you're working with kingdom-minded women? Yeah. I love, first of all, your podcast, and I, I love the whole concept, redefining success. My early career was defined by exactly what you just said, hustle, grind. Um, I purposely, if I was resting, there was something wrong. Do you feel guilty? Did you uh, feel I, guilty if you ever rested? Guilty, absolutely. And not only guilty, but trying to find things. This is going to sound crazy trying to find things to do to rest. Like I literally couldn't just sit. So the redefining success for me today is working from rest, working from a place of trust that God got my bit. The business that he's called me to is his. He's got it. And he wants me to trust that I can do it from a place of rest with him. You know, learn the unforced rhythms of grace, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 in the message translation. It's such a powerful translation for the kingdom entrepreneur. And specifically, he says, watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me. And so today, what I used to do was back to back to back to back to back. Now, when I do that today, I'm like, whoa, something is really off. So I purposely put big pieces of space in between appointments and they are real. At first, it was very uncomfortable because it felt wasteful. It felt wasteful. And now what I've discovered is, and because I knew it in my head, but it had to travel to my heart. What I've discovered is putting those blocks. What I'm saying is, Lord, I trust you. You're going to speak to me in this space. You're going to rejuvenate me in this space. You're going to have me rest in this space. You're going to help me let go of what I think needs to happen. And you're going to show in the space that I've created what you have for me. So I will be more efficient and more effective for having rested, having made the space. And so when you see redefining success, I mean, for me today, do I want my business to be successful? Of course I do. However, is what's more important me, to me today that my success is defined by I can work from rest today. I can be more efficient and more effective and, and lead from a place of integrity as a kingdom woman. And the interesting thing, this is what I find the more I dig into that that you just mentioned, is that kingdom success often looks very different than that worldly or I'll get Babylonian success. And it's fascinating to me, you bring up the hustle and grind. I don't know why we've had this theme now for probably going on a year here that it is very rare. In fact, I, maybe we just don't attract it, that we have people that talk about that hustle and grind. And I did a, a solo episode a while back that was titled, Jesus Never Hustled, Why Should You? And, and because as I read the Gospels, I see no example of Jesus who had the most important mission of anyone who has ever walked this earth. I never saw a situation where he said, all right, guys, come on, let's pull up the tunics. We got to hustle. Let's go. Let's get going. And I'm not saying they were lazy or anything like that. Our puritanical culture, we believe something like that. But so the hustle culture gripped me the most. In the 90s, Gail, 
I was in a multi-level marketing business. And I know you've got background and I know that's who you coach. And I want to have a little bit of a conversation about that because now I do also want to say I was saved in that environment. I learned more about how to be a good husband, a father. Uh, I learned a lot of the communication skills that I have today in that environment. I'll, I don't have a problem saying it. We were 10 years in the Amway business, the structure uh, from about 90 to 2000. And I learned a ton from it. And I actually left Bell South. We retired from that. But here's what I noticed looking back on it. And I'm going to use this as an opening for you to talk about, you know, multi-level marketing and things like that. And I've got a couple of things I want to ask about that. Mm-hmm. Is that because there was never a ceiling in that business, mm-hmm. I was never able to rest. And so I'll just say that and let that hang in the air and you could just take that and run with it. And But I know you've got background there and I know you that's one of the primary areas that you coach in. So Talk a little bit about that or just respond to what I said and say, Tim. You know, that's so interesting that never a ceiling. And so that's a really interesting perspective. But when you were speaking at the beginning and talking about all that you learned there, a couple of things. One, I do believe the industry is a breeding ground for coaches, for mentorship. Um, But as I was transitioning out of the industry, I had built a couple different businesses, one in direct sales and one in multi-level marketing. God called me to coaching. He called me to Christian coaching specifically. I was literally sitting in church. We have a brick and mortar business. Our our three boys were in high school at the time. I didn't need another thing to do, nor was I looking for another thing to do. And at the time, I was not in the habit of hearing the Lord speak to me directly. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me in the middle of church, Christian coaching. And I knew. There was every, it was a fire was lit to every part of my being was just, and I walked out, I turned to my husband, I said, you're not going to believe what just happened to me in there. And normally when I come up with one of my, he would consider harebrained ideas or whatever, um, he's usually, you know, okay, let's talk about this. What's this going to look like? What do you mean? And literally out, we weren't even to the car yet. We're walking through the parking lot. I told him what happened and he looked at me, it's perfect for you. And it just was another, you know, powerful confirmation because that that is not how we normally, it would have been a negotiation and a long conversation. But as I step into the industry, God shows me that he wants me to stay here. Gail, you've been for decades in this industry. I want you to stay here and coach my daughters in this industry to build not on hustle and grind, but on my kingdom values. And he showed me how the industry, and you described it, Tim, through, through what you experience at Amway, is founded in biblical principles. Well, freedom, why do we come for freedom? For freedom. We, people come flocking to the industry for freedom of time, freedom of income. No one's going to put a ceiling on me. You know, no one's going to tell me I get a 3% raise at the end of the year if I do that, 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 that. Personal development, servant leadership, multiplication, prosperity. These are all the things the industry's founded on. And so I literally have an ad running right now on Facebook, and it's about how the enemy has had a foothold in this industry for far too long, because he knows that if we can really see that God is working profoundly in this industry and you can build on kingdom values in this industry, you'll be set free and you will multiply because that's what God does. It's been a really exciting, really exciting journey. What's interesting, I'm going to go here for a second too. I listened 
to a podcast recently from a friend that her and someone else were being very critical of MLMs. And they, they are faith, people of faith, and they were talking about the challenges when it comes into a church environment. The thing that I shared this with them sort of, but maybe we could chit chat about it here, is that neither one of them had ever been in one. I think it's challenging at times when people, and I, in one of the comments, I said, oh, really? I said, yeah, I know that at times there are, this is not a bad word necessarily, cult-like situations that occur. I know they may not be for everyone. I know not everyone may reach levels of success that they desire to, blah, 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 all this stuff. We could go through all that. However, I was saved in a coliseum with 4,000 other people at an Amway convention in 1991. Yes. I do not think that I would have been saved in a church setting because I was not wired to be one of these guys that was going to pop in and out of church that often. I'd been going to a church, but it was, I was just going for looks and stuff like that. And so I think there's power there. I don't want to be all fluffy and all that. There's obviously some challenges and all that. What are some of the biggest challenges in that industry that you see that people face and all, and even practical things like they don't do the work is one. I think the perception that you're talking about, to hear that there were two faith-based women being really critical of an industry, it hurts my heart. Why? Because let me first go to why most have that perspective. A company in a multi-level and marketing environment, whether you're in direct sales, multi, you know, whether you're in wellness, whether you're in clothing, whether you're in jewelry, doesn't matter. Okay. They spend millions of dollars on product research, product development. And so when they launch a product, they want their affiliates to think this thing is the best thing since sliced bread, right? That's their job is to promote it. But in that, in so doing, As believers, especially, we hear the overhype, we hear the overselling, we hear the, there ends up being almost like a lie. It feels like there's a lie in it. And I caution my clients all the time. Don't ever say things like, we have the best ever. This is the only thing on the market. Do you really know that, that it's the only thing on the market? I probably can guarantee you it's probably not. And so it's just that at anything that we do, there, when we start out, I want to use the word immature, but that's not even really fair. But there's a youthfulness to what we're doing, an exuberance, right? And so really, I think often what you're, and, and that same exuberance makes you call somebody again and again, right? And you're taught to follow up. So those two things right there give a lot of justification for people to say, us. Oh, comes into the church and she's trying to get everybody to, you know, all those, all those kind of things. But, and I get that, but done well, done well. Oh, it is, it's disciple making. And I know that sounds a little dramatic, but I've seen it. I've seen it happen over and over again. And you experienced it. Exactly. You experienced it. Just finding greater purpose, finding greater hope, finding greater inspiration, believing that you're not confined to what the world is telling you. And you come around a community of people who say, we'll show you how to grow, how to develop, how to mature. The great thing about those businesses 
is that there's typically a low barrier to entry, which means that yes. they truly are open to everyone, which is very democratized, whatever word you want to use. Yeah. The challenge with those businesses is that there's a very low barrier to entry. <laughs> They're open to everyone, which means everyone that can step in with their baggage, their fears, their doubts, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people could definitely use a coach, maybe even outside their line of sponsorship and things like that, is right. that there's baggage all up and down. Someone could be needing an extra $200, $400, $800 a month like they need a breath of fresh air. They're looking around at the people sitting on the pews in church and going, you know what? I got me somebody. I'm going to, they would be so good. And so I get that. I actually understand both sides of the equation because I've been there. Yes. But here's the thing. I will tell anybody this, the net gain that I have personally had far exceeds anything that I could say negative. And in fact, I mean, my wife right now, we've got essential oils all over our all, all over. I'm looking right here at a diffuser. Yeah. I mean, I stubbed my toe yesterday outside because, you know, it's a tough life living in an RV and so I'm bleeding and she goes, here's an oil, just rub it on it. And it stopped bleeding and I'm healed this morning. And so, hey there, this is your host, Tim Winders. And I want to pause this interview for a minute and ask you a question. Are you feeling stuck? Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your leadership style, or maybe you just can't put your finger on it. Trust me. I've been there. I'm a faith-driven executive coach, and I can help you get unstuck. How? Well, I bring to the table not just over 30 years of experience, but also a unique blend of skills like strategic thinking, relationship building, and a dash of marketing wizardry. And if you are here, you know I'm not afraid to ask the tough questions. Don't believe I can help you grow? Just ask my clients that tripled their annual gross revenues in two years after coaching with me, or the clients that increased revenue 67% in just a year. So if you're ready to take the next step in your leadership journey, book a free discovery call with me at timwinders.com forward slash coaching. That's timwinders.com forward slash coaching, T-I-M-W-I-N. D-E-R-S dot com forward slash coaching. Take a look at that page, scroll to the bottom, and you could book a time right on my calendar. Let's unlock your potential together. I look forward to speaking with you. Now, let's get back to Seek Go Create. Before we get off this one item here, Gail, it's I know that someone who's been on the journey you've been on has had a situation that would have been a low point that you had to really redefine what success looked like for you. And we don't shy away from discussing those. I, we don't even call them failures, truthfully, Gail, because I go back to what we went through from 08 to 13, 14, 15, homeless, bankrupt, all that kind of stuff. And I look at it now and I'm not, I would not be who I am today if it were not for that part of the journey. Got anything you could share related to that before we start mastering our morning and discussing the book and all yeah. that can help us? So many of them. Which one would I pick? Um, I think, you, I'm sure you've heard this, but I don't know if your listeners have, that the industry of direct sales and network marketing is really personal development disguised as a business. And so certainly my maturing as a Christian, as a leader, as a woman, the industry had a massive impact on it as a mother, as a wife. But 
I'll never forget early on. This was just it, this just described this kind of selfish, immature attitude. And the company announces a big incentive trip. And it was not the normal annual incentive trip. It was like the one on steroids, the special thing that they were going to do. So my little sister's my upline and she calls me and the, my boys were really young at the time. And she says, so are you going to go for it? And I said, <laughs> no. And she said, why? Because I'm typically a carrot chaser and I would typically earn the annual trip. I said, because this is so embarrassing, because I'm not going to earn it. So why would I go for it? And she just sat there and she said, well, what about all the things that might happen in your life? just trying to earn it and you being proud of yourself, even if you didn't earn it, but you were proud of yourself for trying and experiencing everything that would happen along the way. I literally, I felt like this inside of me. First of all, it's my little sister telling me this, pointing out a clear truth. And I felt embarrassed and I felt ashamed. And I remember putting, I can literally tell you exactly where I was sitting when this was happening. I could almost feel like the sun, the way it was streaming in from the window. And I put my phone down and I just had an epiphany at that moment. Gail, it's not about that outcome. It's not about your performance at the end. It's not about if you hit it or not and what people think. It's about your journey along the way. It's about you saying, yes, God, I will try. I will go for this and I will trust that everything that's supposed to happen along the way will be perfect. And if it, whatever the outcome is, that's in your hands. And it was a completely life-changing moment for me. But that person was adamant before that phone call. I mean, it was a Holy Spirit moment because before that phone call, I, there was no way I was going for it. It was just that self, I knew what was best. That was not going to be it. I was not going to go for it. It was just that resistant, self-righteous, critical, judgmental, performance-driven, unwilling to be vulnerable and embarrassed and make a mistake or not earn it. All of it all wrapped up in one thing. And the challenge with that is that sometimes I don't think we grasp the importance of the journey. We look at life at the, as these events. That was one of the things I struggled with when we were doing uh, the Amway structure was I kept looking at events and pins and levels and things like that. And I never, especially looking back now, I was hustle and grind. I mean, I was proud of the fact that I slept three, I averaged three hours a night, the entire nineties. And now I think about that and go, what the heck was <laughs> What was I thinking and all that? But just, I think all that was part of my journey too, you know, going through to get to the place that I am. So one of the things that I gathered and my wife and I have been on this thing the last handful of months of embracing gratitude more and looking at, you know, she does some things in the evening. I do some things in the morning and we look at our routines and things like that. And I think I think part of our morning routine is very important with this journey that we're talking about. Somewhere along the way, either something clicked with you or it morphed or transformed or you gradually moved into somewhat of a system for what you do in the mornings. When was that and what was going on and how did you 
begin arriving at what we'll talk about here with the Master Your Morning, the book that you've got? It was about six years ago. I was, um, I believe now God was trying to get my attention and I wasn't listening. Don't um, you think he's, don't you think he's always trying to get our attention? I'm coming to, to the conclusion that I'd like to think, oh, he's got my attention. And then I'll talk to him more. He goes, no, I want it more. I want more of your attention. Sorry to interrupt exactly. you, but I think he's always trying to do oh, that. Oh, I love that. I love that. He's always wanting our attention. I literally heard that afterwards, a couple of years even afterwards, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Gail, the pace of your life was so loud, you could not hear my voice. And that rule one, I didn't believe I could hear his voice. So that was my first problem. I thought that was for pastors and ministers and missionaries, not for me. So believing that God actually does want to speak to me regularly and then that the Holy Spirit will reveal. So that was my first thing. But what was happening at the time, I was having a lot of physical problems and some nerve pain was one of them, a colitis, some gut issues was another one and um, some herniations in my neck. And so, and so because of all of that, I was emotionally um, really low because I like to move and do. And when you can't, it was really, really affecting me. And so I cried out, God help me. And I literally heard the Holy Spirit say, I've told you first, he said, you're creating this is self-induced anxiety that you're creating. And I've never really heard that before that you could create. I thought all my anxiety was a result of everything that was happening around me with all that. You know, if my neck would get better, if the nerve pain would go away, if my gut would get better, if my kid would do better, it was all outside of me. And those are the things causing me anxiety. So anyway, I, when I realized this is my choice, I'm choosing, this is self-induced anxiety. So that was the first thing he told me. And the second thing he said, um, I have this most amazing life plan for you and you're missing it. And that was my first window, Tim, into the kingdom life, into the belief that Jesus did not just die to give me salvation. It was not just an evacuation plan. He died to, to give me salvation and eternal life, but to bring his kingdom here now and to have his Holy Spirit in all of us and work through us. That was my first little window into that. So I cried out, what do I do? And I heard again, I told you what to do, do me. And now that it was the most, it wasn't shame. I didn't feel shame. It was the most loving voice. I didn't feel like I had been put in the corner. You know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know? And I knew right away, seek me first. Matthew 6.33 might have just been painted across the sky. And seek me first. But I knew that he meant literally. Every morning when you wake up, when you start those wheels turning, I want you to put those feet on the floor and I want you to come seek me first. I want you to honor me first. Seek me first. Listen, not pray, not read your devotionals, not read my word. Because guess what, Tim? I was even dry. I was directing that. I was directing that. So it was sit and be silent and seek him first. And so then from this, these steps started developing. And what did I want to do first? I wanted my checklist first. So it became the last thing I did in the morning. Yeah. In my morning. Yeah, that's what Glory would do. My wife, Glory, she would 
that checklist. In fact, if she actually did anything that wasn't on her checklist, she would put it on the list so she could check it off. So the first step, as I read through the book, which is a great book, by the way, Master Your Morning, and we can talk some about that. The first step relates to what you just said. I think it's surrender. Is that right? Yes. And I perceive, if I am wrong, Gail, you correct me and you correct me with vigor, but I perceive that you are one that you like to control things as much as you can. And you like to be in charge and control. And that's not a bad thing. It's, it's the way many people are successful in, we'll call it that world system. What's interesting is the opposite in the kingdom. And I think that's where a lot of us struggle. But how difficult is it for someone who likes to control? And again, if I'm, if I'm wrong on that, you're naughty. For those that can't see the video, yeah, she's yes, naughty. Yes. For, for someone that has high on the control scale, to begin their morning with surrender. How tough is that? Toughest thing I do every day. Most humbling thing I do every day, every morning. I'd like to say, you're 100%, I'd like to say that over the past 30 years, I've walked, um, I've walked out of a lot of that pit of control because it's basically fear, fear that it's not going to go the way I think it needs to go and or I'm not going to do or someone else is not going to do. And I've over time let the Lord show me how hurtful that is to my life, my marriage, my relationship with my children, all the things. I'm trying to really play God is what I'm doing. And but yes, it's clearly still there. The point of the book is to grow in your intimacy with the Lord, grow in your ability to hear his voice. And I think I sort of thought as I started to really like develop this ear that was grew in confidence that I was really hearing from the Lord. And I'm it's not perfect every day, nothing like that. But I would have told you that my guess would have been that I would have been seeing myself more, I'm going to be a little silly here, walking more into, say, walking more into spiritual maturity, seeing more spiritual fruit. And all while that is indeed true, what I was shocked to discover is the closer I get to Jesus, the more clear my defects are, the things that I need to work on are my need for him becomes even clearer. I thought that as I got closer to him, I wouldn't, that my neediness, my brokenness would be getting cleaned up. And the irony has been, as I've gotten closer to him, had more spiritual fruit in my life. Often I'm more clear than ever <laughs> of the parts of me that need to be laid down and worked on still. Gosh, the fascinating thing about that is I'm sitting here thinking, I think, especially in the culture we're in, maybe it's, see, I have this theory that most of our modern church circles have, this is a bad word for a lot of people, they have the prosperity gospel built into them. And the prosperity gospel to me is, I get saved, I start doing some things with Jesus and my life's going to be awesome. 
when what you brought up, you know, it's perfect. We use the word perfected, but it's really fascinating because I'm the same way. The closer I get to him, the more I see my flaws and the more I see that the only way those flaws can be dealt with is to continue getting closer to him. And so what that leads us to is continuing the process, don't back it up and keep going down this process, which you've obviously developed as a morning routine. Does it have to be in the morning? So great question. I have, this gets asked a lot. Um, so are there beautiful spiritual discipline and fruit that comes from being reflective in the evening or in the middle of the day? Of course. But for me, the, the concept here is, will I make him first? So the world wants me to grab my phone, check my notifications, how many, e- you know, the emails that came in, the texts that came in, the messages that came in, look at my, my, my calendar for the day. And I'm already spinning. I'm already leading and falling back into that control space and controlling all the things. And I literally will hear the Lord sometimes say, are you going to? In just this like kid-like delight-like way, come to me first, Gail. And so, and then some people will say, Gail, I'm not an early riser. Or I work the night shift. Guess what? We all have a morning. Whenever your morning is, the concept really is just, will we honor him by making him first? And then the second kind of, I don't know if it's counter or something like that. I was actually, I was actually, as I was reading the book last night, and kind of finishing it up, I was laying there next to my wife and she was doing Bible study and things like that. And I said, let me, let me run some six steps by you. I'm going to be talking to Gail tomorrow. And, and so my wife, who is a great counter for my rigidity, I am very habit forming. And at times I should be more flexible. Yes. This was her comment. And I'm sure you hear this. Seems a bit strict. Yes. And and then we had this great conversation that I'll share more with you in just a moment. But when someone says, ooh, six steps, 10 minutes each, or whatever the time frame is, how do you respond when someone says that? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the rest of our conversation after you tell me. Yeah. So I think that my my first response usually is, and people ask that question in the same, asking the same thing, but in in different ways. Um, And my response usually is, listen, if what you're doing right now is, is growing your intimacy with the Lord, growing your ability to hear his voice, bringing more fruit, peace, joy, trust, hope, keep doing what you're doing. But if it's not, will you just try? Will you just try and see what might he, what he might have here for you. Because clearly he's a God of order. He's a God of order. He's not a God of rigidity. So it's not for you to, to cling to this and say, oh, I'm following and I'm doing and make this an idol. No, it's not that at all. It's just to have, as a path, I found that I sat in church for years, Tim, wanting to cry out, but never had the courage to do it listening to some powerful, incredible sermons about growing closer to the Lord, about hearing his voice. And I wanted to cry out from the depth of my heart. But how? I read his word. I read devote. But how? I just didn't feel like there was 
Um, and so really this, it, this came born from my own cries, my own needs. And yes, if you tend to be more structured, this will be more comfortable for you. If you tend to be less structured, this could be uncomfortable. Sometimes people who are unstructured need the structure. But I, what I usually say is, listen, give it six months. Give it six months. Ask God, show me the fruit in this. Surprise me, Lord. Oh. And then say to him, okay, now you know me, Lord. So help me to change this so it's more in, in what I need. Um, so that's usually how I handle, handle that. And I love the answer because in the back and forth that I had with Glory, it was something to the effect of, first of all, if someone's doing nothing, what a great system, what a great, and I want to say the book was such a nice, quick, simple read. Easy. Yeah. And we'll talk more about the, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was really quick and I'm going, oh, wow, that's. You know, I was reading, I think, a PDF version that I have from y'all. And it was just like, wow, this is because sometimes when I'll sit down, I'm like, okay, I've got to have a lot of time. And I'm going, wow, this is very refreshing. And here's the reason why I like that, because in general, someone who is not blocking time to do the things they need to do with the Lord, probably time is at a premium for them. So the conversation that Gloria and I had was, you know what, for someone who hasn't started, who's not doing anything, this is perfect for them to get moving and get going along. For someone like me or Glory who's doing things, this is a reminder because the step that I probably miss is that surrender. And so this morning when I got up and I started what I usually do, I didn't totally go through the system, but you know what? I said, Lord, I'm just going to pray in the spirit for a little while. I'm just going to sit here before I jump into my scripture because I usually jump into my scripture. And I thought that was phenomenal. At what point did you say, oh, this is not just good. It needs to be shared with the world. So I need to write about it. Oh, that, that thought never really came. So what actually happened in the, in right when COVID was breaking out. So we're at March of 2020. I had been practicing for about three years and it was extremely personal. I barely, my husband knew that, and my kids knew that mom went to her chair in the morning and I had my time at my chair, but I really didn't talk to people about what I did during that time. Clearly they knew my Bible was there. A journal was there, but that was about it. So I'm listening to a kingdom coach say, you have something right now. And I'm telling I'm anybody who's listening right now, this is for you. You have something right now in your hands. God has given you that you can share with the world or your world or people in your world. And I'm sitting there going, "Uh uh-uh, no, I don't. Just that, again, that resistance that came up. But as the conversation kept going on, I knew it was these six steps. But the thought of sharing them was, who am I? Who am I? So I reached out to 100 women. Now, So I've got my direct sales and network marketing background, right? And so I knew how to reach out to people. So I said, hey, listen, God has given me something. I've been practicing it in the mornings. It's a spiritual tool. It's grown in my intimacy with the Lord. I'm going to be sharing it. I'm going to do a little weekly challenge on Zoom for a week. If you're interested, here's a link. And so that, so I started running challenges on the Master Your Morning. And I did that for a couple of years. 
And then through that, people would say, Gail, you need to put this in a book. And I was like, uh-huh, yeah. And so I knew, though, probably after a couple of years that the Lord was calling me to put it in a book uh, and avoid and, and put it off again. All those old voices of perfectionism or what are people going to say or what are people going to, and it's like, and I just had to, Gail, are you going to lay it all down and do what I've asked you to do? So I literally, right before Christmas, it was almost a year ago, I rented this little cabin in the woods. It was like $45 at a, at a Catholic, on a big Catholic property here in town where I live. They have these little cabins you can rent for the weekend, like $15 a day. And I grabbed my computer, parted it through the woods, set it up, and just wrote for, you know, 10 hours a day until it was done, really. And I had help. I had to help with editing and all of that. But, but yeah, but it was not, it was a kicking and screaming a little bit inside, having to work through some of those fears that wanted to creep back up. And obviously phenomenal results that come from it. We have a few minutes here. Is, is it possible? And if you can't do this, that's fine. Is it possible for you to hit each of the six steps real quickly? And then you can just kind of go into where people can find the book and all of that. And then we'll, we'll wrap up here. Just, I've got it pulled up here on my Kindle, but just I quickly, if you do it every morning, I can guarantee you could probably maybe just what it is, quick sentence, and then, uh, and then where people can find the book. Absolutely. So the first step is surrender. It's being quiet, listening to the Lord, not praying, not everything's a prayer, but just listening, listening. And I, what I'll do during this is I'll say, I hear you, Lord. I hear you, Lord. And it's just that declarative statement that I am confirming you are who you say you are, which say you want to speak to your people. And I am here listening. I may not hear you right in this moment, but I will hear you today through someone else, through something else, you will, you are speaking to me. And step two is scripture, going to his word. Sometimes I'm literally almost, I could fall off my chair sometimes at a location in scripture that he takes me to. Sometimes it doesn't seem relevant at all. And then later in the day or later, something will happen or it will be for someone. Um, that sometimes is really wonderful or it'll take me somewhere. And it, literally I had in Acts 22 two was an example one day that just blew my mind. It was something in my coaching program. I was struggling with trying to find a biblical principle around and boom, it's like he dropped it in my lap. So scriptures, number two, number three is a vision, but it's God's vision. What is God's being able to say, okay, God, I'm struggling in my marriage today. Show me as the wife that you see me as, Lord, through your eyes, show me what I look like. Forgiving, loving, encouraging, affirming my husband. Not who I, who I am, right? But who you see me as. And it is, it's powerful to ask the Lord that question in any area of your life. In my health, on and on. Um, step four is reading. And this is just a step of humility to say, I think sometimes I think I know everything and I clearly don't. So it might be in my, I might be struggling in my finances. I might be struggling in my health. I might, so I grab a book and I just spend, you know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes reading. Um, just, and I get just a nugget of what I need. Step five is journaling. This is an opportunity to go deeper with the Lord. Lord, why am I feeling resistant about this today? Why am I feeling afraid about this today? Or 
Lord, I'm feeling so incredibly grateful today. I'm just praising you today for whatever it is. It's that opportunity to go deeper with that pen in hand and that deeper relationship, asking questions. And then the last step is the calendar. And it's looking at the calendar from a kingdom perspective and saying, I don't care about all my lists, Lord, all my check marks. I want to know what you want me to do today. What is most important from your, and sometimes it'll be, I'll get something. It might be for my son. It might be for a client. It might be for my husband. And I never would have, it wouldn't, it was nowhere on my radar to do or think. Oh, and it's just something like, clearly, Lord, this is from you and I will be obedient and I will do that. So those are the six steps. Excellent. So where can people find the book and or connect with you? Go ahead and give us all of that information here. I've got one more question for you before we wrap up. All right, good. Amazon, it's Master Your Morning and Change Everything. Um, it's a bunch of, as Tim already said, it's a bunch of testimonials. And that's a whole story around that. But it's a very short how-to and growing your intimacy with the Lord. Gailroot.com. I'm G-A-I-L-R-O-O-T, Gailroot.com. I'm 56, so I'm a Facebooker. Uh, most of my clients are in the second half of life. And so you can find me on Facebook and podcast, Kingdom Dream Chasers. Yeah. But if you go to gailroot.com, you'll find I think pretty much all of those things. I was on the road last week and I powered through about four or five episodes. Great podcast. I enjoyed listening to it, even though I may not be your target, but, but I enjoyed it. It's a great resource. I, I like the fact that there's some real short digestible topics and episodes and all that. Tim said that as he's at the one hour mark of this interview that we're at on our podcast. So anyway, Gail, we are seek, go create those three words right there. I'm gonna let you choose one of those that resonates, means more to you than the other two right now. And why? My final question. I could make a case for all three of them, Tim, and I love the name, but it has to be Seek. Um, it has to be Seek. That has been the heart of, and it's really, I think I've always been a seeker, but not seeking him first, not making him first over everything, my day, my life, my marriage, my business. So seeking him first. Yeah, that's awesome. Seek. And you probably know you referenced Matthew six thirty three earlier. That was the root of that. That is the first mention of the kingdom of God in the New Testament. In fact, if you go through all the scriptures and so powerful there. Gail, thank you for the conversation. I love having these conversations just to expand my mind, but also to check myself and allow the listener to just check in on things. So the book is Master Your Morning and Change Everything. I think that's the tagline to it. Go check that out. Go check out the podcast too. I think it's a good compliment if you've been listening in here. There's a lot of great principles and all there. So we have new episodes here every Monday at Seek Go Create. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.